Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today, I have my man, Derek Green, back on the mic, my hype man. What's up? My, my brother from another mother. That's right. And so he plays center on your team. Yes, That's does. right. If you, can, if you can't tell by the guest's voice, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. I don't know how to even say, I had a big intro for you, but welcome to the podcast, Keith Morris. Thank you so much for being here. And now, so this is the part where I accept my award and I have to, like, thank... Oh, the producer and the director and uh, the record label and the movie company and my yes. wife and kids and the guy that sold me my car and my the doctors. God. Yeah, they say God. The 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 guy that I talked to on the phone about uh, becoming a member of the Hair Club. There because you go. I, all of them. I, I wear this hat because being 65 years old, I am going bald. <laughs> and I'm trying to hold on to my youth. I have t- 20 hairs up front. <laughs> 20 hairs in my head. See, um, in, in, in this day and age, or in, in any, any day and age, uh, being a senior citizen, we try to hold on to as much of our youth as possible. Even the ridiculous bits and pieces. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And playing music keeps us young, I think. Your spirit. Uh, yes, it does. That's that's a, that's a good point. You yes. look great. You look great for your age, man. And you're still a credible front man. So. Well, thank you, sir. And Absolutely. I, I didn't even have to slip you a twenty dollar bill under the table. <laughs> um, your checks in the mail. Thank you. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. It's like, yeah. um, I mean, obviously. Fuck, you started Black Flag when I was nine years old. I realized that yesterday, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, and you were born in Hermosa, Hermosa Beach, correct? Yes, but what were you listening to when you were nine years old? Oh, Whatever wow. my mom was playing, Jim Croce, Neil Sedaka. Neil Sedak- yeah, was Neil Sedaka. Yeah. I'm sure like a lot of radio stuff. I was like Sonny and Cher and some like... Uh, <laughs> well, that's wh- what I listened to. Right. You know, growing up in Los Angeles, we at first we get in the car and the first thing we do is turn the radio on. Exactly. So we're listening to AM we're listening to AM radio, yeah. which equates <laughs> to um, the association everybody knows it's windy and sunny and share. Yeah. I remember the John beat goes Den- on. John Denver was pretty big too. Like, yeah, John oh, Denver. Right. Yeah. Just just barely on See, we had we had KHJ and Carol A. Carol A was the dirtier let's fucking party and let's get <laughs> drunk and fuck and just let's ruin shit so that would be like wilson pickett oh wow and yeah. like stacks and khj which was the uh more friendly family oriented would be the supreme yes nice and Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. So we listened to all of this. But at the same time, KRLA would be playing. We talked about um, while while, um, Joe Nelson and I were eating breakfast, um, he asked me what was the first band that I ever saw in a live setting was uh, Love with Arthur Lee. And that's like... I just pulled out my little red book and (laughs) that was a that was a local hit okay and that kind of had and and love isn't that band but it had a garage kind of like another band that would be played love would be played on KRLA which is the the dirtier more gritty you know um like an alternative Work, station. The working man's kind of radio right. station. Yeah. So it would be Love with 7 and 7 is, or uh, My Little Red Book. 
and then there would be the seeds pushing too hard, which I would consider to be, um, we, we uh, on some of the sites on Facebook, um, there's always this competition between who created punk? Was it, mm. was it the, the British or was it the Americans? And we have it going on way back to the seeds who were just mm. like straight okay. out of the garage. Yeah. So I would consider them to be part of the blueprint for what we do. Okay. Gotcha. You know, and, and everything after that, it, it's all over the place. And how, and how old were you when you get exposed to like that type of music? Were your parents playing music all the time? Probably, too? oh, let's say eight years old. Okay. Nine years old. And um, at, at one point, my aunt had a boyfriend who was in a band that would play the Whiskey A Go Go. Nice. And so one sunny Saturday afternoon, and I re remember this vividly in her backyard in North Redondo, she threw a party. And at that time, uh, in her space, the bathtub screwed into the all of the fixtures in the wall. Okay. You could shut the water off and screw it out and take the antique bathtub and place it in the backyard and fill it with ice and then pour, we were talking about the cheap wine. Oh my mm -hmm. God. Yeah, dog. So now all of a sudden there's red wine <laughs> with, with the ice. And then of course the trippy hippie dude doses the oh, wine wow. and now all of a sudden um all of my relatives my grandparents they're all seeing colors or tripping Damn. or whatever your they're your, doing your grandparents you, you know however it affects them <laughs> oh these people didn't care we're having a good time yeah wow yeah i mean wow. it was like everybody except the kids <laughs> <laughs> the kids didn't get to dip in and drink wine thinking it was Kool-Aid. <laughs> Do you have your brothers and sisters? I, I have a younger sister. But anyways, that would be probably my third um, exposure to like a real live band. And they sounded horrible. They were a terrible band. I mean, at their best, they were probably a C minus. They were called <laughs> Smokestack Lightning after the, I believe it was... Uh, was it, uh, um, oh, geez. Uh, lightning. Uh, lightning Hopkins, maybe? Okay. Some, one, but, yeah. one but they the, had an impact on you. Yeah, yeah, they did, but it was yeah. just like kind of, the impact was kind of, well, I liked that. It was right. fun. You know, and it was interesting seeing all of the senior citizens dancing and jumping around and chasing balloons and, tackling each other and <laughs> <laughs> making out under the umbrella and wow so that was like my third exposure mm -hmm. because uh, joe and i had talked about this while we were sitting at breakfast the second band i saw was in hermosa beach at the fox hermosa on hermosa avenue now these scenarios with with these bands are saturday afternoon at the local movie theater and wow. what they would do is uh it's 25 cents to get in 
and there's two movies. Okay. And occasionally we would luck out, and there would be some kind of entertainment between the two movies. Gotcha. Normally they just show three cartoons, and we're ready to go with the second movie. Mm -hmm. But we lucked out. The first time I saw Love was in a movie theater. Wow. And then uh, about three weekends later, I saw a band in the same scenario in a different theater. They were called the Barbarians. Wow. And their hit was, um, are you a boy or are you a girl with your long blonde hair? Well, you look like a girl. You might be a boy, <laughs> but you look like a girl. <laughs> and they, they dressed like Paul Revere and the Raiders. Wow. They had that kind of vibe. And um, the drummer, his name is Malty was born without a left hand. Wow. And he's a drummer. Wow. And it, <laughs> no, normally, yeah. if you're a drummer, if you're just a good old righty, you play snare with your left hand. Mm. He had a clasp, and he was able to close the clasp on a s s drumstick. Wow. And he was actually a really happening drummer. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. I wonder, I wonder if that's where they got the Sunday matinee from. Like, yeah, they call punk rock shows Sunday matinees because it's maybe started in a movie theater. It could Never be. even thought about that. Right. Where it came from. Well, most of those matinees were on Sundays, mm. and the reason why they did the matinee was it's an early show, yep. so the kids can be home in time to do whatever homework they have to do that's due the next day on uh, Monday. Yeah. Okay. Wow, man. Makes sense. <sighs> Kicking some serious knowledge right now. <laughs> So, um, well, that's what I get paid for. Like I told you, your check's in the mail. Thank you. I'm gonna, as I'm leaving, I will give you my address, and you, you can send me a check, and, and you can make it a, uh, payable to. We got you. Um, the troll. Okay. <laughs> were, you, were you, were you like a wild kid growing up? I've, I've been called the troll. The, the troll. troll. So I'm at some point I'm gonna have to develop a a dance called the troll. Oh yeah. And I, I would love to have a new dance. Imagine Keith Morris on TikTok with a troll dance. With the troll dance. Viral. Be amazing. Yeah. Um, so how were you? How was it growing up in Hermosa Beach? How were you as a kid? Well, it's a Hermosa Beach is. Um, at the time, was one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Yeah. Like, clean and crisp, and the air is just... Mm. You just want to reach up and grab bits and pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And there was surfing and skating and skimboarding and jumping off the end of the Hermosa Pier. And then there was the taco burrito that you would eat the morning after your all-night... <laughs> party binge yeah. drinking whatever quaalude cocaine <laughs> whatever yeah. you know you would eat a taco burrito and it was like a sponge it was the taco burrito to the um hermosa beach community that was familiar with it would be like the okie dog to all of the punk rocks got you, got you. Have you yeah. ever experienced an okie dog? I have not, but I know about it. See, because you can, you could eat, you, you would eat an okie dog at about probably, well, whenever the gig would let out, mm -hmm. the, the Starwood was the place to go at the time, or the Whiskey A Go Go, or the Roxy. Yeah. But everybody would, um, depending upon who was playing, de depending upon the show, everybody would gather at okie dog and you eat. You would eat an okie dog, and this would be probably 
about 2 o'clock in the morning. Oof. Oof. Next day you feeling that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you go to bed on one of those and it's like whatever you're dreaming about is a uh, hundred times larger than <laughs> what, what you're dreaming about. Yeah. And everything is vivid. And um, like if you're dreaming that you're being chased, you, 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 you will get caught because your feet would be uh, encased in um, concrete mm. where you would have cinder, cinder blocks chained <laughs> to your ankles yeah. So you could run as fast as you can and leap as high as and far as you can. And somebody will reach up and grab you, you know, and then all hell Okey breaks dog. loose. Okey Okey dog's no joke. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, Cinerama dome, Hollywood sign size nightmare. Mm. That's did, did, did you skate or surf at all? Um, I surfed for two weeks Nice. And that was that was my introduction was on a Christmas morning, and um, I actually tell the story in my book. But what happens is my dad had purchased a brand new surfboard for me. Yeah, because I was pretty much a good kid. Awesome. Um, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> probably oh seventy percent of the time. Um, my dad had purchased a, a brand new surfboard. For for me from Dewey Weber, who was, there was a triumvirate of um, ultra mega surfers at the time, world-class surfers, yeah. uh, which was Dewey Weber, Greg Knoll, who was the guy who would ride the like 60 foot wave on a like 15 foot long board. Wow. And then um, there was Hap Jacobs who surfed, but he was not, like a competitive surfer. Yeah. He wasn't the guy that would surf like these guys, but he was more of a shaper. But these were the, the these were the triumvirate. And so I have a brand new surfboard. My dad also knows the 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 guys, the Maestrell brothers who own Dive and Surf. Okay. And that pretty that pretty much hits the nail on the head the description for their business that's where you go to rent like <laughs> deep diving gear okay. and oxygen tanks yeah, yeah, and yeah. wetsuits so i have a brand new wetsuit so i got to squeeze into the wetsuit um wax the board i'm with three of my friends the stole brothers who were twins who always just beat the living fuck out of me. Rather than fight amongst themselves, they would take their anger and angst or what have you out on me because I was the shrimp. Damn. I was the troll. With, but this was before <laughs> I was a troll. And um, our, our friend Gary Prejant, and they're, they're all used to this. It's Christmas morning. It's freezing cold. And that means that everybody that's out there with their new surfboards or their new wetsuits, there's like 500 dudes on the south side of the Hermosa Pier. Damn, so it's oh like God. everybody's fighting for a space to, you know, this is my ride. This is my wave. Wow. And there were no waves. Normally a wave goes kind of circular. Yeah. So you, so you circular, 
turns into tubular <laughs> and there was none of that the the um the shore pound on that particular morning wasn't having anything to do with shape and size gotcha. it was they were called walls okay and the wall just went <laughs> and um, yeah. to, to, to top off our wonderful Christmas morning surf situation, we had smoked some angel dust. Oh, wow. Perfect. First time Next surfing time. and angel dust to go and, along with it. Um, <laughs> when, when I got crushed by the wall and was tumbling around in the sand and the dark water wow. like looking up to see if there was any kind of sunshine how far down am i um when it kind of spit me out i looked to see where my board was luckily it was it had been spit out too yeah and i grabbed my board i i had been out probably for 20 minutes wow and realized that i'm not going to be the guy that gets up at five in the morning to put on a wetsuit and run down um two or three blocks to the beach to surf and freeze my scrawny little uh, maybe at that time i weighed 65 pounds yeah 70 pounds when, when I graduated high school, I weighed 76 pounds. Wow. So um, one of my dad's friends who was a bookie said, Morris, you got to get your kid around horses. Take him over to Hollywood Park. Get him, get him a horseback. Get him going because he's perfect to be um, a, jockey. a jockey. Wow. Yeah, jockey size. Wow. Did you do that or no? No, because um, I think horses are one of the most beautiful creations in the world but at that time i had a hatred for them because my aunt had taken my younger sister and i up to malibu to ride horseback and of course the horse that i was placed on being six years old and weighing probably 20 pounds being placed on one of these big horses backs yeah and the horse that i'm placed on decides that it doesn't want to take orders from anybody doesn't want to be obedient doesn't want to stop when you tug on the reins Mm -hmm. takes off Wow! and uh, i think 15 minutes later um when they found me i i had been tossed off the back of the horse and so it was like a terrifying experience that is stuck with me all the way here you know It's like the only way you would get me on a horseback is, um, say, if the um, oh, whoever there's um, whoever's posed nude in Playboy just decides to <laughs> call me out of the blue and say, um, "I'm going to take you horseback riding." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you do it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so no surfing. <laughs> And no horseback riding at all. <laughs> no, but I, I I would surf later on. Okay. You know, because living at the beach, li- yeah. at one point I lived, uh, not even, I lived half a block from the beach. Wow. Or a house from the beach. Sick. And 
there were days during the summer where you you don't need a wetsuit. You just you got your trunks, and you got your board, yeah. and you can go out there and you can be free. Mm. There aren't even there there are no lifeguards. Well, I've heard like, so many rumors about locals being so protective of territory. You know, like it's very territorial. And this is, I hear this all the time. Okay, from well, Toby's that happens so all the time. It does. Yeah. Even back in the day. Even back then, it was people were getting beat up and wow. people were getting their boards broken half and like tires slashed. And this like, is not a private Locals feature. only. Wow. That's a real shit. It's real. Because I only heard about there, this. There, there, there was a band called the Surf Punks and they had a song called My Wave, My Beach. Yep. Wow. You know, but they were all the way up in Malibu, which is kind of wide open, you know? Not a lot of people go to Malibu to surf. Mm -hmm. Most of them would come down to the South Bay or Santa Monica and Venice. Yeah, my son. That's where you would have Tony Alva and all of his goofballs, you know, (laughs) get out of of our way, you fucking ho-dad, grimmy. Get out of here. (laughs) That's how they ran like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, for real. My son goes at five in the morning and he's experiencing some of that locals only type vibes. That's yeah. why we're talking about. It. He goes a lot too, but he gets vibes from people like, where you from and stuff like that. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, it is. Okay. All uh, right. In fact, we had a situation where I believe somebody was killed in uh, somewhere along like one of the coves in Palos Verdes. Like, the local guys actually Damn. killed somebody. Yeah, that's how hardcore it is. But the the scenario with being able to just like the whole beach is wide open. There's not there are, the the beach is so blank mm-hmm. and wide open that the lifeguards have already left for, off of their last shifts. Yeah. So it's just me and my surfboard, and I would do that for like a week, and realize that. I just don't have it in me to want to do this. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot. And my favorite thing anyways is body surfing because you don't need anything but waves. I like mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. How old were you when you started, how old were you when you started doing that? Um, I was, uh, I would say 16 maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. 16, 17. Yeah. But, but See, they- I, I did, I did this surfing out of peer pressure. Because all of my friends were knobby need, you know, <laughs> knock need, you know, um, <laughs> what, what, what happens when your ankle gets banged by your board 200 times, oh, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden your ankle is twice as big as it's supposed to be. Yeah. So Damn. there was a lot of that. And, um, I, I, I really loved all my friends, but it was just. You know, I'll get up early to smoke pot with you to, you know, to be ready to go to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going out there and surfing with you. Yeah. Right. Did you, did you hate school? Did you do good grades and stuff? Um, I actually love school because ah. it was just a great place to socialize. True. And I had a lot of friends and, uh, granted I, I was like one of the smallest people at at the school, which meant uh, occasionally the bully would pick me out to, you know, throw against the wall or flush my head in the toilet or whatever was, 
you know, uh, later on that would go away because I would have friends. I would even have nice. friends who were, um, and we're calling them athletes instead of jocks okay. mm-hmm. because there, <laughs> there is a big difference between an athlete and a jock. A jock is a jock has a certain mentality where I've got to do this and it's got to be like this. And I got to do these exercises and my food, my regimen, this and that. And oh, yeah, all that fun shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas the athletes were just people that just did the, just went and did it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And being surrounded by surfers and skaters that turned into, um, when there were, when there were no waves, yep. they, they needed to keep moving. They weren't racing on the freeway. They weren't, you know, they weren't yeah. racing dragsters or funny cars or anything like that. They would go to the mountains and they would be skiing, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, See, and, and the, the mentality was, Fuck this shit. I'm I'm not standing here and trying to sort out what's going on and fuck that. I'm going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we ha- we have that mentality with the music we play. The totally. music is very aggressive. Yes. So there is uh, a certain amount of athleticism to what we're doing. 100%. 100%. Especially so that's front man, yeah. Especially mm-hmm. up front, yeah. 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 So, well, even the players, yeah. You know, a drummer's it's true, whacking and going at it. Yeah. You know, bass player, guitar player, better if, for what we're playing. Better be playing downstrokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Did you start? Did, did you start Black Flag while you were in school, or was, it, was there a band before that? Um, I had, um. Just got my ass handed to me in junior college, junior college because as a student during high school, I had developed certain uh, study habits okay. that didn't exist. And <laughs> I, I was able to um, I was able to study for an exam. Like the morning of the exam. Wow. And. Uh, for it. a minimum get a c plus b minus you know mm-hmm. it's like i'm just an average student but i get i get i get, I get a a here and there depending upon the class yeah you know well, a history well, class or all of my art classes i always got great great grades yeah shit you liked cared about yeah yeah and so you, gra- you graduated i graduated um i think my graduating class I want to say was 500 students. Wow. Okay. No, I was in a, I was, our school (laughs) was, it it was a go-to school. Yeah. What what year did you graduate? 73. 73. Wow. 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 (laughs) And and would you have any goals at that point? I was a stoner that just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like what? What? Actually, now, now I've I, I've got to correct myself okay. because I was a stoner that didn't give a fuck, except that I was going to be presented a scholarship to the uh, Pasadena Art Center, wow. which is one of the most prestigious art schools in the world. Damn. What they were doing at the time was they were going around to all of the high school art departments, yeah. just checking out what was being created and mm-hmm. who was on a roll and 
you know, which, which art department is, is the best. And yeah. as it turned out, my Maricosta High School art department was considered one of the greatest high school art departments. Wow, wow. man, it's fucking amazing. So they, out in Pasadena, always zoomed in on what was happening with yeah. us. Knowing that they're gonna they're they're gonna give us um, three scholarships, there'll be at least three students that deserve scholarships. Wow! And mine was based on the fact that every year the L.A. County, the big fair, mm-hmm. has an art display, mm. and what they're doing is they're accepting all of this artwork from all of these high schools. Yep. Because it's it, it's nothing higher than high school, and I remember I submitted I want to say I submitted ten paintings. One of the paintings uh, got a got they framed it and matted it wow. and you know with the gold with the gold mat. Is that the, oil which, colors or water? Based? Um I was using I was into acrylics, acrylics and, okay. o- and oil pastels. Nice. And um I won one gold medal and that one that particular painting ended up on the cover of um Westways magazine which is if you're a member of AAA <laughs> nice. when you sign up you're immediately uh, going to be sent their monthly or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know bi-monthly or whatever <laughs> magazine so my painting ended up on the cover of Westways, wow. which they thought was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. yeah, and um i also won um actually i won two gold awards and Sick. a couple of other awards and they obviously zoomed in on what i was doing That's awesome so the the deal was at the end of the semester, when we were right before we were getting ready to graduate, the idea was that the three students go in front of all of their art classes that they had taken uh, over the course of, I think it was um, two years. Okay. And I had a ceramics teacher who was just like, he was ecstatic about what I was doing in the ceramics class. My um, my drawing and painting instructor was, at one point, he wanted me to lead the class. Wow. And I was just like, how am I going to tell my friend that, dude, you, you, you're in the wrong class. You know, you need to take Miss Dombrowski's uh, painting for um, chimpanzees or whatever mm-hmm. it was, which I did take. And wow. that was that was um, that was the reason I didn't get my scholarship, because I'd gone through um, four different art classes that I had taken mm. and I was able to hold my own and let everybody know that, you know, everybody's doing a really great job. Some of you really should pursue this, really look into this. Yeah. Some of you should, um, if you're, if you're struggling with your 
prerequisites in your math and your biology and science and foreign language and all of these <laughs> classes that you're not really cut out for in the first place. Why not dive into something that you you can get some stuff happening, mm-hmm. some stuff yeah. going on. So one of the classes, the um, chimpanzee artwork class, that's kind of how I described it. I, I got up in front of the class, and um, the, the class, I know everybody in the class, they're my stoner buddies and surfer <laughs> dudes and, like, girls on the drill team that... You, you have to take an art class in your four years at high school. So you take this class knowing that you're not an artist. You're never going to go. You're not going to get anywhere out of this room. So you just show up. You raise your hand when your name is called and you get your C and you move along. Yeah. Because there are certain classes in high school that that's all they're there for. Right. Totally. You know, there's all those kids out there that that can't get past a C that need a, an easy class to be able to graduate. Yeah. This was one of those classes. I enjoyed my time in the class, but it was just, it wasn't challenging. And I guess it, I was, it was more for just the social scene. Yeah. So anyways, I'm describing the class. And I basically, uh, towards the end of my spiel, say, look, I explain all of that. You know, we, we're all here just to get our C. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to say get the fuck out of here, but I did. And I was, I was a little yeah. bit more composed and uh, a, a little bit... Um, <laughs> I wasn't so verbose. And anyways, <laughs> at the end of my spiel, I said, and I really think that the material that we were focused on could have been kicked up several notches and that the majority of the artwork that was produced in this class you could take pencils and paint and crayons and paper and sticks and rocks and water and whatever up to the LA zoo and go to the monkey go to the monkey cage Give it to them. And you would you would you you would probably get stuff. You would get artwork just as good or better. As good I said <laughs> that and she like grabbed me and called me a bunch of names in, in front wow. of some of my friends. Wow. You know, and this was this was before political correctness. So you yeah. know, she could have punched me, she could have kicked me, right. she could have slapped me, and nothing would have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, if that were to happen, this on uh, oh. in our in our modern times, yes. they would have thrown her against an, an electric fence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <for> sure. <laughs> so, wow. anyways, she said, "No scholarship for you." Damn, just like that. That's just crazy. like that. See, and I never, I never pursued it any more than that. Mm. Being a stoner, it's like, well, what am I going to do? You know, and then my dad had a friend, uh, 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 an oil banker dude from Texas who said, look, I will, I will pay for you to go through that school for four years. This is what I ask of you. You show up at my house. You ask my wife. There's a big wall there that's just, it's waiting for a mural. Ask my wife what she would like. What 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 what's the subject material? 
Wow. You like flowers, you like birds, you like insects, you like crocodiles chewing off like <laughs> dwarfs heads or <laughs> So the deal was that he was going to pay for me to go to art center. Wow. And it's a very 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 generous. expensive school. It's very right. generous, yeah. And I'm flabbergasted. Um, what I do is I look into the prerequisites to get into the school because you don't just sign up and go. Yeah. What, what, the, what they're doing, if you're there for four years, you're going to be taking classes along with what you're t taking at the art center, which equates to you having to go to either UCLA or U USC. Mm. And my dad's, my dad's not making that kind of money. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to go to UCLA because then that makes my drive to Pasadena even farther away if I'm going to do this. Yeah. If I even if I'm I'm even smart enough and have the grades to get in, I would drive up the Harbor Freeway, get off, go to USC, take whatever classes I was taking and then head out to Pasadena for a couple of classes. Mm -hmm. And then I look at all of the prerequisites because you have to have these prerequisites, even if you're given a scholarship. Yeah. You don't just get to show up. Hey, yeah. you know, you got a scholarship. That's great. But you've got all of these classes that you have to take or having having taken in high school, mm -hmm. like college prep classes. Yeah. You, you've got to have uh, a foreign language and two sciences in algebra and um everything yeah like basic english which <laughs> even for the, the the most simple person is like mount everest yeah <laughs> subjected like, <laughs> pronoun with a double dip of yeah and you just like art so reverse yeah. adjective <laughs> now if you do all the other subjects you didn't care about in order to go do the art scholarship. So basically. that's when I decided to go to junior college because it didn't cost any money. Mm. I thought, you know what? I'll take these classes in junior college because an associate arts degree is just as good as a certificate of passing all of the classes in high school. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I'm going I'm to take an easier route. And what I will do is... I will then, once I have my associate arts degree, I will then go to the art center and I will ask them, is my scholarship still available? <laughs> I've taken all of these classes. This yeah. proves it. You know, here's my transcript. And um, because I had developed such horrible study habits in high school, and junior high school, mm -hmm. e even going all the way back to elementary school. Loser. Um, <laughs> I st struggled at the junior college level because those classes are j they're the same as what you would get at a university or a college. Mm. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's just more convenient for me. I could smoke hashish in the parking lot and go in and. Uh, play tag football on a muddy field to get the ed, to get the physical ed out of the way. <laughs> wow. 
Um, but I, I was there for five quarters. Mm -hmm. Was it five quarters or five quarters? One, two, three, four, five. Or semesters, right? or yeah. two and a half semesters. Yeah, I think it was half a semester, and I dropped out. It was like I, I I'm taking this English class, and even if I had six tutors, I was not going to be able to uh, dangling participle or <laughs> what what have you. Like all of the stuff that we don't need to know. It's yeah, like exactly. algebra. Mm. You, how often do you use algebra? Never. Never. Not I sucked too often. At, I sucked at math too, man. Never did algebra. Just, the, it's a good point. Well, what I learned, uh, I learned from one of my uh, uncles, because his kids, all of his kids, like five, f four out of six of his kids were complaining about algebra. And he said, oh, no, you're going to take your algebra, algebra class, and you are going to study, and this is what you're going to learn from algebra. You probably will never, ever use it in your life. But what it does is it teaches you to use your brain. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, so now you, you quit, you drop out of that. Are you playing music at that point? Um, I was, I think I was uh, about two years away from okay. 73, graduated in 73, 74, 75. Uh, I'm going to be playing music, but not the way that everybody plays music. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's like um, Greg Ginn and I, I would meet Greg Ginn. Greg and, and his um, younger brother, Raymond, and his sister, younger sister, Erica, we all went to Maricosta. We all knew each other, but it wasn't like, Hey, I'll see you at the party on Saturday yeah. night. You know, it was never anything like that. Yeah. And um, I would be working in a record store. When I wasn't working for my dad in the, yeah. the bait shop down on Pier Avenue, I was working in uh, a couple of the local record stores. Mm. And uh, one of my friends, Michael Piper, um, had a shop up on Pier Avenue which was, it was like a six-minute walk from my dad's shop. So I'd get off working for my dad, or I'm taking a lunch break. Yeah. You know, and in those days, because um, I would eventually find out that the business was partially mine. Wow. Um, if he told me hours to be there, I would be there. But I would also be there when I didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. So I'd take a lunch break and I'd walk up to the record store, grab a submarine sandwich or a slice of pizza or what have you, go to the record store. So I would be um, just kind of soaking in what yeah. was going on in the record store, mm -hmm. you know, watching him use the cash register, um, stocking shelves, putting putting cassettes up on where all of the cassettes were yeah. and, you know, putting vinyl out in the racks. And uh, my friend Michael um, had a crush on Greg Ginn's younger sister, Erica. So now all of a sudden, she's showing up there on a regular basis. Okay. And what, what's happening is occasionally she'll bring Greg along with her. Like, okay, take a look around. 
no Grateful Dead records. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even think about buying any Grateful Dead records. That was kind of like, that was the, we, we should have had that painted on the door. Greg Ginn, no Grateful Dead records. <laughs> so um, he starts to become, because she's seeing more and more of Michael yeah. for their daytime um, afternoon delight or, you know, lunch break on her Mosa Pier, mm-hmm. cigarette break on the Strand. Let's go drink a couple of Heinekens. She she was dragging him along with her. So now all of a sudden, um, they go off to do whatever the lovebirds do. And Greg and I are in the store, and I'm not playing Linda Ronstadt. I am not playing Joni Mitchell. I am not playing Bruce Springsteen's first three records. I am not playing Heart. And I'm uh, as I'm going down this list of these bands, I have records by a, a lot of these artists, and I love these artists. But at that time, working in a record store where there's all this other like, dude, I want to hear the new Black Sabbath album. <laughs> dude, there's the Uriah Heep Wizards versus Demons, or you know, just <laughs> Ted Nugent, yeah. Wang Dang, Sweet Poon Tang, and all of that <laughs> fucking wonderful stuff. Wango Tango, yeah. You know, it was like there was there was a there was a um, uh, one thing that I loved was that Michael loved prog rock, mm. and he had started to play bass, and he was trying to imitate um, the 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 bass player Chris Squire from Yes. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm familiar with a lot of these bands because in the record stores in Hermosa Beach. That was a big deal. Prog rock was a big deal. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with prog rock. I mean, yeah, you get the noodly doodly, you know, and you get some classical and you get the synthesizers and all of that stuff. Uh, and, and you get the vocalists who have like really incredibly amazing voices, that, like yeah. real singers, right. not just, you know, like a Mick Jagger Henry Rollins, yeah. you know, some guy that is not trained. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because mm-hmm. I'm quite familiar with that. <laughs> and I, I grew up with Gentle Giant and Genesis yeah. and Green Slade and PFM from Italy and Leorme from Italy and um, Super Sister from Holland and, you know, all of the, all of the British... Yeah. Like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, who were actually really fucking aggressive. And uh, who else do we have on that list? We have Yes. Deep Purple? Um, I don't consider Deep Purple, even though they've, they've got a, their organist is classically trained. Mm-hmm. And Ian Gillen sang on the um, Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, they're too fucking aggro. When they get into their <laughs> grind... When they're going to be highway stars, right? Get get the fuck out of their way. You don't think that um, Lemmy from Motorhead might have picked up on some of this? You know. Um, but we also love Black Sabbath. Uh, we also love the MC5. We loved Iggy and the Stooges. Yes. See what? So what we were doing was when when Michael and Erica left. The volume got turned up. 
Like I would, I would, I would be looking at whatever vinyl was behind the counter, hoping that, you know, maybe there was some trappies or, um, oh geez, <laughs> my, Michael actually liked Deep Purple, um, Mata Hoople, who were yeah. more of a rock and roll band than a heavy band. Um, he he really disliked a lot of the stuff that I liked. Um, so we would just we'd party, yeah. And he'd go through the he'd go through the racks, and he when I say he, I mean Greg Ginn, and he had certain stuff that he was looking for, and his some of his tastes were it was particular, but um, or peculiar, um, and. We didn't listen to the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And once I started working for him at SST before it turned into a record label, we would listen to, we were talking about the AM stations yeah, very AM stations, early on. Yeah. And then we had FM where the FM stations were um, album oriented, where they didn't just play the hit off the yeah. record. You would hear like deep cuts. Mm-hmm. You might hear the very last song on the record and go, wow, that's better than the first song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's better than the hit. Yeah. So um, while working at SST, we would listen to FM radio. So we would hear Journey. And this was uh, pre um, pre. Steve Perry. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. This was like, this was like during their, um, their first couple of albums be- before Steve Perry joined. Yeah. But we actually, I remember listening to the radio one day working and, um, I guess the, the newest journey album had come out and Steve Perry was in the band, but this, this was, we, we had already made the jump into, like, we got to find a drummer. We got to find a bass player. Mm. Who are we going to play with? And our, the reason I'm talking about Journey is because Greg and I went with Michael, the record store owner, to the Santa Monica Civic because we wanted to see Thin Lizzy. Oh. And Thin Lizzy, this was the, this was the jailbreak tour. Wow. This was when they had a couple of hits. Yeah. Uh, Jailbreak and uh, the Cowboy song, The Boys Are Back in Town, or there you is, know, all yeah. of that stuff. And um, Journey was actually headlining the show. Gotcha. And this was the prog rock journey. This was pre-Steve Perry. Gotcha. So we're like digging all of this stuff. And when the lights come on, I'm standing there and I'm looking at Greg and he looks down at me and um, we knew something was going on. Something was something was starting to jive. Yeah. Like we were getting on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. And on the way back, uh, Greg somehow manages in our conversation to say, well, let's start a band. He said, I've got a handful of songs. That that was how it started. Yeah, I've got a handful of songs. Well, I want to hear the songs. I'm really seriously curious because we had just we had just barely become friends. Yeah, 
So I'm really curious, like, this guy's got his degree from UCLA in business, and now he's telling me that he plays guitar, mm -hmm. and he's written some songs. And I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a stoner. I'm a goof-off. You know, I've, I've already... Um, I've already um, dropped out of junior college. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I got nothing to lose. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. The, the songs could be horrible. And when he played them for me, I, I was, I didn't even know what to say. Wow. I, I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like you'd never I, heard I've ne I've anything. Never, I've never heard anything like this. I've heard the MC5, but nothing, you know, I've heard all these other bands. Yeah. You know, and there was, the Ramones were already playing. Mm -hmm. And I'd heard the Ramones and I loved the Ramones. The first Ramones album, that's their greatest album. And everybody can just, uh, if you're not into it, go jump off of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's pummeling. Mm -hmm. It's I, ridiculous. I, I can say that about group sex. Too, it's though. stupid. See, that was the great thing about the Ramones. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to intellectualize or over mm -hmm. think things. It's like, so let's true. just strip it down and go. Mm-hmm. So we loved that, and we'd already we we were already in love with Iggy and the Stooges and James Williamson and um, like I said, the MC Five. But the songs, I think we also somewhere in there went and saw Leonard Skinner and Ted Nugent at the Damn. Anaheim Stadium. That wow. was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But we just, we wanted to be around loud music. Mm -hmm. So was Nervous Breakdown one of the songs that he played? Um, everything that's on the, the first EP wow. and a couple of other songs. Damn. And he said, I've Wasted. got lyrics. Here are the lyrics. Oh, he had lyrics? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Huh. But he said, if you see anything you need to uh. switch around or remove or add, just f feel free to do that. He hadn't got into his the 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 this was pre dictatorship. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh big boss man, all of that kind of slave driver, all of that kind of mentality. Cause remember, I'm a stoner. I just I want to party. Yeah. I'm gonna have a good time. And I love what he's playing. Yeah. And never sang before in a band. I no, I didn't even know what was. You know, I sang like. "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" opening <laughs> classic, Pier <laughs> Avenue Junior High. So this is the first time he's down. It's crazy. Man. Well, and here's the thing, um, the I want to say the second time we got together, I had actually purchased a mic. Nice with the the mic cord. No PA. We what? What? What's a PA? Yeah. So exactly. here we are. Um, we're in his living room, and he's plugged into the the amp, and I plug into the second jack. So I'm not only is he playing guitar through this amp, but I'm also singing through it. Yeah. Damn. And it's very chaotic. Sure. And we didn't know what we were doing. 
we were just trying to fill things out, trying to sort it out and what's going on here. Like, do we really want to do this? But we both knew that, yes, we want to continue doing this. This is yeah. like we we hadn't heard anything like this. I'd not been around anything like this. So then it started to, um, when it started to get a little bit more serious, it was like, so who do you know that plays bass? Because we need a bass player. So who do you know that plays drums? Do you have any friends that have a drum kit? And I was like, I'm going to, uh, I can purchase a, a drum kit for $300. And of course, the drum kit that I wanted to purchase from my friend, he'd stole from a, another one of my friends. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. So I would have I would have been dragged down Pier Avenue, Pacific Coast Highway, uh, Artesia Boulevard, all of the alleyways in Hermosa Beach. Wow. And pushed up against a wall to just see if I could stand. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't going to work. And one day in um, the SST space, we're listening to the FM radio, and all of a sudden. Iggy and the Stooges Search and Destroy comes blasting out of the speaker. Wow. And I like, uh, I've already determined what I'm going to leap up on and try to do a triple flip through the air <laughs> off of one of the, one of the work tables or it might've been the desk mm -hmm. or it might've been, I, I think my second move after I picked myself up off of the floor and wiped off all of the dirt. I jumped up on the sofa and I was on one arm. I ran across the sofa and leaped off of the, the other arm of the sofa mm -hmm. and um, tried to attempt another like swan dive or, <laughs> you know, this is a, this is about one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday Jesus. and me being the, the stoner alcoholic that I am, I'm completely wasted. Wow. So all of this, all of these crash landings and, you know, landing the wrong way. And, you know, wow. there sh should have been some broken bones. There was none of that. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing all of this, I was screaming the lyrics to the song. Gotcha. And when the song ended and I'm standing there and I'm like kind of looking around with birds spinning around over my head and <laughs> stars and whistles and little bells. Greg Ginn looks at me and said, you're not playing drums. You're the vocalist. Uh, fucking sick. Wow. And so uh, in my three years in the band, <clears throat> we had four bass players. No, that's three. That's two drummers, four bass players. Wow. Three and we, we didn't really become a band till like uh, about two, in, in my lifespan in the band, yeah. about two, maybe two and a half years in, okay. did we really become a band where Chuck Dukowski stepped up and said, I'm, I'm going to play bass in your band, but here's the deal. We are going to rehearse every night. Damn. Did you name the band Black Flag? Um, that was, uh, 
given to us. That moniker was given to us by one of the, the greatest artists of our time, and that would be Raymond Pettibone. Wow. And um, we at the time were called Panic. And then we um, went to Zed Records, I believe it was. I remember and Zed there Records. was a there was a seven inch on the wall by a French band named Panic. And I said, Greg, we, we got to change our name. We don't, do you have enough money to be sued by this band? <laughs> not, that, not, not, not taking into consideration. First, they're in France. Mm -hmm. right. Second, they're a punk rock band. Unless their parents are filthy rich, yeah. right. they're not going to be able to afford some kind of long distance mm -hmm. lawsuit. Oh, right. no, especially back then. No. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So do you remember your first time being on stage and were you nervous, scared as your first band? It's like, you probably um, were wasted on your first show maybe, right? Were you still uh, I was wasted on my first, um, <laughs> oh geez, my first thousand shows. Wow. Maybe even more. Wow. You know, there was a period in time when this, the Circle Jerks would go on tour and we would be given an itinerary and it's not like the itinerary that we get these days where, yeah, we're taking one day off during the week. Mm -hmm. You know, the vocalist needs to, the, the vocalist. Voice. Yeah. Well, back then that was, no, you just, yeah. you run into the wall. And when you, when you smack the wall, then you try to climb up the wall, leap off the wall and go and run into the next wall. Mm -hmm. And we would go on tour with, um, maybe a couple of dozen shows yeah and while we're out there because there's so many gaps in the the schedule yeah like we pull into town this, this is a this is a perfect example we play knoxville tennessee mm -hmm. rocky top we're playing in the student um like it would be the student deli hot dog get a slice of pizza there's some coleslaw there's some potato salad yeah. there's the refrigerator filled with all of the soft drinks yeah you know and then you would go and you'd sit at the cafeteria table and discuss whatever you're going to discuss mm -hmm. so we play our first show in tennessee in the, like the student union. Wow. Yeah. In Tennessee is so far away. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so random. Um, it's that routing, man. Well, yeah. we, we, we had done a tour before that. Okay. okay. Really okay. wasn't a tour. It was like two weeks on the East coast. Okay. And this was because Penelope Spheris had released the decline of Western civilization. Oh, and gotcha. because of that, Doors oh, just swung wow. open. I never even thought about That's that. amazing. Yeah. We we get a call from um, the gentleman who books the uh, Irving Plaza at the time. Great venue. I love um, that place. His name was Chris Chris Grimsky, okay. I believe was his name. Okay, Polish. We're, Polish we're talking about solidarity. <laughs> Now, I don't know what the word is in Polish, but they had the flags up and all of the slogans. Yeah. This was inside the Irving Plaza. Okay. That's where they would have all of their meetings. Wow. I didn't know that. So he booked Irving Plaza. He said, you want to come out? You want to play play uh, a few shows? 
So we end up playing Irving Plaza with the stimulators with yeah. Harley. Wow. Harley's cool. looking like he's 10 and a half, 11 years old. Super young, yeah. And the Necros. Wow, Necros, sick. And it was great. It was fucking nuts. And then we would play the Mud Club. We would play. We played a brand new club, the Starlight Ballroom in Philadelphia. The headlining band was the Stranglers. Wow. This was on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> we played um, Washington, D.C. at the 930 Club. And the opening band was uh, Minor Threat. Jesus Christ. Uh, we played, I want to say we, we might have played in Baltimore. We might have played somewhere in New Jersey. Normally, if you play in Philadelphia, you don't play in New Jersey because they're so just close. so... Right. Totally, yeah. And what were the, you the, reaction the, of, what, the reaction of the people on the East Coast? Was it Was this group sex different? album out already? Was it before the album came out? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I mean, was the reaction of the crowd different, or were you expecting? Oh, no, it was crazy. It was. Crazy. I mean, we had one night where there was nobody in. In like the mud club was vacant. <laughs> okay. There, right. uh, now, I, I I've recently had a couple of people write me and tell me that they were there because I've been saying uh, my my memory of that show was the only people that were there were the staff members, the doorman, there. uh, uh. uh <laughs> Uh, a waitress wow <laughs> and a bartender who is also doubling as bar back mm -hmm. and the sound man the sound guy was there and, now and like cheetah that. chrome wow. <laughs> from the dead boys yeah yeah, yeah. jesus but the show in in washington dc was just i've I, I've seen that kind of energy before, mm -hmm. but it was, we weren't expecting it. We weren't expecting it anywhere on the East Coast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, because we had seen this kind of uh, punk rock action, this energy, this, this vibe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The electricity, yeah. the sweat, all of it. Um, we'd, we'd seen it out here. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, at the Whiskey A Go Go, or yeah, you know, we had uh, at one point Tony Alva's skate team were they were they'd show up and move our equipment for us. Wow, and, you know. So, my, but had, oh. you, had you heard of Minor Threat? Obviously, because there was no internet back then. But it's probably like the word on the street. Oh, this band called Minor Threat from DC, and that was probably your first time seeing them, right? Playing we'd uh, we had um, read about them. Yeah, that's what the fanzines Max were for. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That must have been a crazy show. I mean, what, what year would that be? Before eighty? Oh, I'm terrible with I'm terrible with these dates. Eighty one. Wow. But get, getting back to that was our first tour. Right. That was a flyout tour. Oh wow. And I I don't believe the the only money we made was to um, pay for food and pay for our flights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. however, whatever transportation we were getting to and fro for all of these shows. Yeah. But the, the circle jerks tour, when we started to like tour on a regular basis, we would leave Los Angeles heading East and either going through the, through the North and yeah, you know, the Dakotas and Iowa and all of those fun places, or we would go through the desert through Arizona and New yeah. Mexico and 
we would leave with maybe a couple of handfuls of dates. Okay. Not knowing that you you try to play city to city to city or yeah. at least major city to the next major city to the next major city. Yeah. So getting back to Tennessee and playing Rocky Top at the University of Tennessee, we play the show in the student union, a deli restaurant, yeah, yeah. tables and you know whatever kind of PA they had a, 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 Super a, stere a stereo system for a PA. We boombox. Um we uh somehow managed to talk ourselves into uh having a show in the nearby pizza parlor the next night. Wow. Pizza man. parlors are good for and that. And yeah, after we yeah. get through playing in the pizza parlor, the 14-year-old kid comes up to me and says, "My parents have left for the weekend and I'm having a party." And, and I live in a cul-de-sac in a brand new tract yeah. home area. Wow. And I'm just inviting my friends. Um, somebody's going to figure out a way to like buy a keg. And that's all we needed to know. Yeah. We're going to, we're not doing anything. We got two open days. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. What time do you want us to be there? Wow. And we show up. Unfortunately, there was no swimming pool. No. That would have been great because then we would have been able to take a, a we would have been able to bathe. Exactly. Um, so you play um, this guy's backyard, basically. So we, yeah. we, we play in the garage. The garage door's wide open. It's like a, it's like a Sunday. And you would think, well, all of the families are home in the neighborhood. Nobody's complaining. No cops. Wow. Like 50 kids. You know, on their skateboards, on their BMX bikes, or what have you. Tennessee, you Fucking know, the amazing. kids in the the, the curious kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, who is a fourteen-year-old going to invite? Wow, man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> there's Tommy and there's Unfor uh, unfortunately Billy. the fourteen-year-old didn't have a seventeen or eighteen-year-old older sister right. who would have invited her friends. Mm -hmm. Like changing the complexion of the situation. Yeah. Right. So we would that would that would be how the circle jerks would tour wow. for about two or three years. <laughs> wow, man. Just word know, of mouth. There was no internet, none of that shit. It's right. just like fuck. Well, one of the things that was happening at that time too was that there was uh, 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 an underground system of anarchists who were anti corporate, like let's 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 blow up the power structure. Part of their genius plot was knowing people that worked in these corporations that had access to corporate um, telephone cards. Oh, okay. Mm, calling cards. Calling yeah. The calling yes, cards. Yes. And, it, and the rule this is, is you do not... Never, ever, never, ever, never use that card if you're sitting in somebody's living room or you're at somebody's house Trace or it. you're at a business where you know the people there. Mm -hmm. You don't want you don't want any any 
telltale signs like yeah, that. So pay phone only. I pay pay phone only. That. that was a big deal. It was like a, calling card. It was yes. a big deal. We we survived on two or three tours that way. And there were other bands that were doing it, like yeah. Black Flag and DOA, Dead Kennedys. Damn. It's amazing, man. That's, I completely forgot about that phase. Like everyone using these legal cards or numbers man. that they got. Like, oh, I got the number. You know, and then we would we would sometimes pull up to a venue like I remember showing Alabama. What what a Miami. wonderful, beautiful place that Alabama is. And the people. Yes, the intelligence and just they're all so nice and um anyways we Shout out to all the people from Alabama listening. We, we love you. We yeah. sh- we show up because we're supposed to play the adult show. Okay. Like they open the doors for the adult show at uh, maybe eight o'clock, you know, which means we're going to be playing at nine. If there's another band playing with us. Yeah. Wow. So we get there early and say, um, can we just, uh, there, there's like 10 kids out front. Can we just open the doors and uh, can we play an early show? You're not going to be selling any alcohol because they'll come in and they'll They'll close you down for something like this, mm-hmm. but you'll sell a lot of Coke. You'll sell a lot of <laughs> um, Coca Cola. Oh, oh, sorry. Come sorry. on, man. Where's your mind? Coke. Come on now. Stop like, being an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Coke and Pepsi and fucking snacks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. Okay. All ages. Yeah. Right. Orange Crush. Crush. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Doctor Pepper. Mountain Dew. That's awesome. So you did that early show. Yeah, and the the early show. This particular. Um, afternoon uh, a couple of adults had already been in there they they'd been drinking of course yeah you know because the the back back space of the bar is a pool hall mm. like four pool tables so they're back they're playing pool and they hear what's going on out front and they come out and they see the kids jumping around just acting like a bunch of wild monkeys <laughs> Going crazy. <laughs> Just having a good time, you know, going bananas. Yeah. And these guys see it and it's like, yeah, man, it's time to kick some motherfucking ass or whatever their oh, mentality boy. was. But yeah. now all of a sudden they're down in front. There's maybe 20 kids. Hmm. And there are kids getting punched in the face. Fuck. And the guy that owns the bar or the venue, whatever you want to call it, should have just come in and tap the guys on the shoulder and said, dude, you're here playing pool. Go back there and play pool. Leave the kids yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Local, Anyways, local I, make, I make that comment, and now they want to, like, rip me and, wow. you know, tar and feather me and quarter me, tie me up in the parking lot and drive in four different directions. <laughs> Stretch your body out. <laughs> And I wow. see these guys and I jump off the stage as they're like heading back to get like back pool. to their pool or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I go running up to the, the, the last guy and I said, why, why would you be doing what you're doing? Why can't you just leave the kids alone? Which was something I should have just set off of the stage yeah. and let it be. I decided I'm going to, chase this guy down just to find out what's his trip you know and our roadie at the time he comes running up and he passes me and he's in front of me he sees what's happening except the guy 
cocks his arm and he's going to punch me. And I'm thinking, well, our roadie's in front of me. Our roadie's a pretty big guy. Yeah. Our roadie could take care of this guy. Our roadie ducks and the guy punches me in the face. Fuck. And when I pick myself up off the ground, I'm ready to like pick up a pool cue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I know better. You know, because white guys from white guys with weird haircuts and playing the music that we're playing in Alabama, in Alabama, aren't they're not going to be invited to the luau or the Mm -hmm. sweet 16 coming out party or what have you. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much about it. You know, when I picked up the pool cue. Yeah, I wanted to swing on the guy, but I I totally understood that, you know, I, I would need to do this with at least another six pack. Yeah, <laughs> six people too. Were you, were you were you like a brawler growing up? Were you always scrapping and stuff? No, never any of that. I'm not okay. big enough to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I want, I want to go back to nervous breakdown for one second. Just when that record came out, there was nothing that sounded like that. That was like a total game changer for hardcore punk. When that when that came out, there was nothing that had that sound or anything. What was your reaction to that? If you remember, like, not, not, not the feedback. There's no internet, nothing like that. But like the reaction playing those shows, it was something so so different at the time. Toby, you know? the the thought in our heads was that um, not only was it a game changer, but it was going to change a lot of games, mm. plural. Mm. No, we weren't thinking like that. We did. <laughs> um, <laughs> we <laughs> we. We, 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 we didn't mill about or sit around thinking or like pouring our thoughts into, well, this is going to do this. And then we're going to go. No, I know that I'm speaking as a fan perspective, like the reaction to it is probably like, holy shit, this is fucking so aggressive and awesome. And I don't know, just the reaction. Well, I remember the first time we played it for the people in the Hollywood, the Hollywood scene. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Okay. And they fucking, they like everybody took 10 steps back from the the stereo wow and i remember all of i looked at all of the faces in the crowd and they were all like in shock <laughs> see because we hadn't uh really cut our hair yet okay we were still looking like you know we got stoned and hey we're in the parking lot at the the grateful dead concert at the hollywood bowl <laughs> Dude, let's let's smoke some more pot. Hey, who who's, who who brought the acid? Mm-hmm. Um, but you so but they're like, oh, these guys are so great. They they didn't know what to think of us. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at us, just trying to hang out with everybody. And I knew I I had made friends with a lot of the people in the scene. Yeah, because I loved their bands. Chris D from the Flesh Eaters was there. Uh, Fast Freddy, who would uh, he was the uh, I think he was the Friday night DJ at the Starwood. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if Jeffrey Lee Pierce was there, but I remember kick boy Claude Bessie was there with a couple of other people who were staff writers at slash magazine. Was that that yeah. was the nut that we had to crack. Okay. Those were the, those were the intellectual um, college grads, uh, lit majors, um, 
financial majors like Greg. I'm, he could <laughs> he could talk to some of them, but um, <laughs> they didn't know what to expect. Okay. And when they when when we played that, Chuck Chuck had it on him, and there was there was no music being played in this party. We we'd all been somewhere like maybe the whiskey or the Starwood, yeah. and this was the like late night party for all of the Hollywood people. And we just happened to be there. And Chuck saw the opening. There was nothing on the turntable. And he got down on his hands and knees and he put the EP down. He put played Nervous Breakdown first, of course. Wow. And the people just, it was like, they, they couldn't believe what they heard. Yeah. Our, our situation with uh, trying to uh, stealthily infiltrate the Hollywood clique. Mm -hmm. That was the night where everything got broke down and it kind of made us part of their scene. Wow. Fuck. We didn't look like them. Mm -hmm. See, that was part of our, you know, part of our appeal was, you know, with the circle jerks, Greg Hudson and I look like paper boys or the, the guys that would mow your lawn. <laughs> who who thought of the name? Did you did you ask this already? Which band? Circle Jerks. Mm. The Circle Jerks, um, the way we came about that, we just kind of stumbled upon it. I had made a list of bands. Um, in fact, Chet Lair, Lucky Lair's younger brother, before they became Wasted Youth, were called The Runs. Mm. That was one of the names that I had on my list. And I said, okay. Chet, you... He asked me, Keith, you got any extra band names? And I said, here, <laughs> use this one. But you there was, yeah. there, I, I had a list of um, band names. On that list of band names was also the Gun Club. Wow, that would have been a different story. Which would, yeah. not, would not have worked for the Circle Jerks. <laughs> right. No. Because the Gun Club actually has very... It, it's kind of like something you would drag out of the darkest closet in your house or you you would dig it up in the back of the basement. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I had this list. We actually um, had called ourselves the bedwetters for a couple of shows. <laughs> <That's amazing>. And <laughs> we we knew that that name's just too ridiculous. Yes. It's not so we would cool be considered sound. a joke band if that right. was the name that we used. Yeah. So one day we were, uh, we had some shows coming up and I needed to uh, get some artwork from Raymond Pettibone because he was, he loved all of us. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can use my artwork for flyers if you want to. Sick. So one day we're hanging out with Raymond Pettibone in his space at their parents' house up in, um, up uh, in, North, northeast Hermosa, and we're just goofing off and drinking beers, and he's playing music, and I'm looking at Greg, and Greg's looking at me, and it's like, you know, we need to, we, we've got the artwork for our next couple of shows, we need to come up with a name, and I'm looking around, and there's books everywhere. This was, he was living in the library. Wow. I guess he just threw a mattress on the floor in the what would be considered the family library. So I'm looking at all of the books. I'm going up and down. Oh, here's the day. Here's the, um, 
uh, here's the Webster Dictionary, and mm-hmm. you know, here's this dictionary and that dictionary and this English list of adjectives, and then next to that is the American, uh, the first, there because there's two volumes of the American Slang Dictionary. Okay. And then here's the first volume, and um, I just reach up and grab it, and I'm standing there, and I'm flipping through the pages, and I'm going up and down the rows of all of the different um names yeah yeah you know just all sorts of fun stuff and when (laughs) i get to circle jerk i'm like i'm because i'm as i'm doing this i'm thinking what are some of the most stupid names anybody has (laughs) ever named their bands yeah besides the beatles and the rolling stones (laughs) (laughs) at that point yeah right (laughs) wow and all of a sudden, here I am, and it's just jumping off the page. Damn. And Greg Hudson's standing next to me because I'm going down each row with my finger, and all of a sudden my finger stops, and I s- stop right there at Circle Jerk, and, and, and I look at Greg, and Greg's eyes lit up, and it was like we knew that that was the name of the band. Damn. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> Did you know the definition of that back then? Or well, it was written right there. Oh, shit, dang. <laughs> You know, and the thing was that we <laughs> we tried to promote uh, the the fact that um, women can also perform circle jerks. It's for, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard explaining that to your mom when you have like a record, like a cassette of the band. Oh, it's a new band. I like. like. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what you could do? You could say, well, they there's there's a religious history to this, where the monks up in the cathedral in whatever city in fucking Italy or Rome mm-hmm. or what have you, the Roman Catholics, the Roman Catholic monks would place <laughs> the sacred mushrooms in the middle of the floor and they would all stand back and jerk off until <laughs> they came all over the mushrooms and then they would eat the mushrooms. Wow. And I guess that's what made the mushrooms magical. Holy shit, Derek, you, you have a lot of knowledge. You ever hear that before? I've never heard that. <laughs> You're a historian. You know I, I never heard that. Wow. You might want to research that. Oh, yeah. You might have to research that. We do a fact, <laughs> you know, a fact check on here. a fact checker here. Uh. Yeah, but it, if you research it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to save you the time and hassle. Because that was part of the description of Circle Jerk in the American Slang Dictionary. <laughs> wow. 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 That's an amazing description. Yeah. Was that name shocking back then when you guys came out? Was that shocking? And- it was just a goofy, stupid name. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't PC back then, none of that stuff, any of that stuff. It was just, yeah. No. That's just a crazy name. Jeez. Wow. So, shit. So, you, so you're, you're, you're in Black Flag only three years, and that's over then straight Circle Jerks. Because Group Sex came out in 1980, right? I think so. Damn, yeah, 40 years. Wow, mm. man. And then nonstop touring. Joe knows more. Joe, who is our friend who... Trust Records. Runs Trust Records. We're uh, getting ready to release... There's going to be another release of uh, Group Sex. Yes. Are are we talking color vinyl this time? Joe, what's going on with that? Joe Nelson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, with them. So... Joe Nelson (laughs) in the house. Hooray. Thank you. Um... So that's what circle jerks means. I think we're going to have to release you from the label. We had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's funny because what Toby said about circle jerks, I was thinking like, 
if my mom was cleaning my room and she saw she saw the Circle Jerks group sex album, she must have been like, "What is my kid fucking?" That's into? what I'm She's saying. Like, it's man. so crazy. But to the point of the re-release of Circle Jerks, yeah. So we did a first pressing in October when that record came out, and it sold out within 24 hours. All of it. Incredible yeah. booklet inside there too. Thank Amazing you. Spread. I mean, that's yeah. And then that's our artist Robert Fisher and and. Dimitri, who helps with the band stuff. That's you know, and Robert Fisher was responsible for the Nirvana baby swimming after the that's his cover. the hook with the wow. was yeah, it he, a twenty dollar bill? He's fans. I think it's a dollar. Okay. So he's that's, fan, that's his his cover. The Nirvana wow. Nevermind, and he's that's been dope. kind enough to do our our layouts. He's great. Um, so the second pressing is coming out probably uh, right when you're hearing this, and that'll be in stores. And that has there's two or three different colors. Rev HQ has a color which is yellow. Um, there's a like I mean there's you know the color vinyl variant world is crazy. It's crazy. But we try to we're trying to manage it because Keith's not a big color vinyl guy. He doesn't okay. care about it. So we're trying to keep it. So there is black, but the, but there'll be a couple of new variants. Like I think kids uh, love vinyl, man. They, they do, crazy, man. man. They do, and this record's been fun, and the and the response has been great. And let, so I, I'm stoked that you like it. And the love it. I loved how yeah. the merch you guys dropped with it, all that stuff. Yeah, that's them. It was awesome. Yeah, who does your merch? Just some guy. Kings Road, which is, which is our, our friend Brett Gerwitz. Yes, which yes, it all sir. full circle. Greg Hudson and yeah, it's amazing stuff. But yeah, I'm gonna use your restroom. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, see, I need to announce that so everybody <laughs> that's listening to this can <laughs> follow me restroom, into right. the restroom. Yeah, you know, it's, it's intermission. Keep more. We can edit it. So yeah, go keep talking. I'll keep talking. Yeah. So I mean, I'll just tell the story about this. Really funny about Trust Records is obviously Derek and Toby and I are all great friends and I've, I've known Toby since the first tap put this here's how long I've known Toby Morris <laughs> he had a token entry tattoo when I first met him yeah and I think that's it that was my first tattoo <laughs> <I had. laughs> and I true. think that's it yeah he was staying with Silver Walter when I was back in New York for the first time and yep. I met him and, it, and we've been friends ever since but what's great so long story short about Trust Records if you don't know it's a, it's a reissue label that Matt Pincus from Judge and I are doing and shout out to Matt Pincus yeah one of the True good people in this yes, world. Yes, think is. Yeah, and so Matt's, we were trying to get this going for a couple of years and trying, and it's hard because, as you know, being punk rockers and hardcore dudes, all of us, we're very suspicious of every of labels totally. and issues and money. and Totally. And so we were having the worst luck. I got asked to come consult for the Circle Jerks on the reunion because I do was doing merch for I do gotcha. merch for a living. Yeah. And in that conversation, I realized that, those records group sex were available and Keith, I just said to Keith, like, Hey man, we'd be really interested in releasing your lab, you know, these records on yeah. trust, what trust was. And he was like, all right, do it. And like, you it's couldn't awesome. start a record label with a better record. Circle jerks, group Perfect. sex, kick it off with. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And then we're all family and friends. Like the next record, seven seconds, the crew, which is going to be dropped weeks from hearing this. Awesome. And Keith has been a big fucking proponent of, of Kevin's. And it's just like, it's really cool with punk rock, the family aspect kind of coming full circle and realizing that like, like we have a record label with like dudes like Kevin seconds and yeah, it's amazing. And Keith Morris. And will there be a Wild in the Streets re-release as well? Wild in the Streets will be coming up uh, end of the summer, right okay. before these guys play punk rock bowling. Yes. It, it gets dropped there. And that's same type of thing. There's Glennie Friedman photos in it that you've never seen. There's about a, there's a, a guy named Chris Morris is doing like, he did like an 8,000 word essay on the cir- making of this record because the record and the tour is wild, dude. Wow. Like, I mean, I mean, you're talking about, you know, I mean, you can hear talking to Keith and his stories like, 
bunch of crazies. So it's the 40th year of, of group sex. It's the 40th year of group sex was last year. Last year, yeah. And so, but because of the pandemic, all, this, all this great touring stuff got postponed. But we, now... The plague. The plague. But we now, had, we're, now we're back at it. We had some shows with Circle Jerks last summer at festivals I was so excited about, but that didn't happen. So well, hope it's going to happen coming, in the future. They're coming yeah. this year and next. So I just went back there to relieve myself, and I noticed you had a bottle of calcium and magnesium. Yes. Which is extremely important in our times. Yes. The, 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 the calcium and magnesium help you relax, and what it does is it calms your nervous system. I didn't even know that. In our situation... That. The most important thing, one of the most important things that's getting us through all of whatever craziness is going on yeah. is our immune system. It's facts. Okay, so the, the calcium and magnesium, which has a calming effect, calms your nervous system. If your nervous system is going ape shit, it fucking hammers on your immune system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was uh, extremely fortunate. I had a friend. uh, I have a friend who lives in Austin, Texas. His name is Tito LaRiva. He was the guitar player and vocalist in a band called The Plugs. Very early on in this scenario, Mm -hmm. um, this is is even before the Chinese were doing, uh, performing any kind of autopsies on the bodies that had already died okay when they first start they first started doing autopsies what they were doing was because everybody was dying of what seemed like uh pneumonia just stuff associated with the lungs yeah, yeah, yeah and so they were cutting open these lungs and they were finding all of the air sacs in these lungs had filled up with some kind of liquid that then solidified wow so the, 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 this was a recording. I don't know how he got a hold of the recording, but it was of a woman who was, she was either a doctor or a nurse in a hospital on one of the islands off the coast of China. And she said she was explaining these autopsies because they were getting all of the reports and everything like that. She said, the, the most important thing that we can do is keep our immune systems just fucking jacked. Right. Yes. And she said, these are the ingredients that everybody needs to be taking. These are the supplements. I lucked out. I go to a health food store that has this horse pill that is zinc, calcium, magnesium, and the extra added special bonus bargain basement ingredient is vitamin D three, which is oh, need that shit. Yeah, perfect. It's what you, you it's what you get if you go walking out in the sunshine. Yeah, and she was saying, and if you're going out walking in the sunshine, you've got to wear a mask, you got to wear gloves. But this was very early on when they were mm. still like everything needs to be wiped down, mm-hmm. all the metal, all right. the flat I surfaces. Too back then, for yeah. Sure. Which now is not as hectic. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, great. I never really did it in the first place. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, doorknobs. Grocery stores mm-hmm. I did, yeah. yeah. I was tripping out. Uh, and you wear your gloves to the grocery store. But they, she was also saying, 
uh, the first thing you do when you enter your house is you take off all of your clothes. You can hang them out in the, hang them out. That's what we did. He's saying we did the same we shit. We went crazy. We yeah. did that every, like every single day. We hung yeah. up all of our shit all the yeah. time. And you wash in, in you wash in the hottest of water. Mm-hmm. That kills it. You know, this was when they were just finding out what it was. You yeah. know, and then it was like the reason they want everybody to wash their hands using soap. It's this same effect as when you wash your dishes. Mm. You're using a soap that's able to break through the grease yeah. because the the um, COVID cell, yeah. um, the, the outer coating of the cell is basically just fat. Okay. And um, soap, hot soap, warm soap, and it's all of the yeah. motion yeah. of yeah. you washing your hands kills it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It was hey, pretty scary. Uh, I'm though, looking yeah. at that clock. Is that clock right? I don't think no, so. No, it's not right. You got about 10 minutes, Steve. W- w- where are we at? We're at 1244, I think. Okay. Uh-oh. All right, We're on a schedule. Fellas. I know you guys are. <laughs> We have to do part part one. I, mean, I know, man. Part one, you got. I know, still on circuit. Pages, so pages. So Toby has here. Okay, well, here's the deal with part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I've given you the special uh, punk rock discount. <laughs> good good guy discount. The the next time I come in here, um. Oh well. I was going to say that you would have to send the check in advance. Ah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> pay, pay, pay in advance. Yes. I mean, but, I could talk to Keith all day, though. I mean, there's so many things. That's well, funny. getting back to the list of ingredients to active ingredients to help you soup up your immune system. Yes. Vitamin C is also important, but it's not yes. just regular C. That she explained what it was, but I I didn't worry about it because she said you have to take it in such large doses it's going it's going to make you sick mm. until you get get worked up and it's like you know you can cut back on it as you're going along. Yeah, and it's like I've been through the vitamin C blowout. Yeah, where where I actually had to have some of my insides pushed back inside wow Wow. really from too much vitamin have you ever had to sit on a donut pillow you know about the donut (laughs) pillow i guess if you have surgery you know what you know what i I, i'll explain it to you the next time i come okay that could be the first thing on the list (laughs) i'll (laughs) I'll explain the donut pillow to you over uh a, a box of a dozen glazed donuts or uh, Boston cream. Or... Boston cream. Are you a donut man? I'm a diabetic, and I love all of that stuff. But I right. went off my. Uh, I was on a special diet oh. that was, was supposed to help, you. also help me get through this because of a lot of alkaline and a lot of like root vegetables. Yeah, man. And like, I got I I I got to a point where I was like, dude, I need a fucking slice of pizza. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're craving it. Yeah. No, I, okay. I I needed I need a plate of pasta with some olive oil and tomato sauce and chopped garlic and you eat pretty healthy though usually right eating pretty good oh i got really bad 
Okay. I got really bad. I got to a point where I'd lost 12 pounds over the course of six months, not working out and not really dieting. Just mm. like I go to a restaurant, I'm not eating a cheeseburger. I know I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to eat fries because of the, because yeah. it's starch and it's, they're fried. And yeah, you know, I avoided bread. I was to the point where I'd go to the deli and I would get a deli sandwich with without any rye bread which is kind of <laughs> defeating the purpose yeah but i'm jonesing for some corned beef mm-hmm. like when did you discover that you had diabetes like when did it- uh, my discovery was um when i graduated high school i weighed 76 pounds yeah okay so i was always a shrimp okay um up until uh even all the way through black flag and early circle jerks until I really seriously took um, drinking as like, that's what I, that's my job. That's what I want to do to uh, try to earn my living is just drink Mm -hmm. myself into like uh, stupid stupor and be on the couch all day and all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, I should have had diabetes very early on. Uh, when when I did come down with diabetes, um, I didn't find out until I had sh- shrunk from, I think I was, I, I was somewhere around 130, 135 pounds. Uh, I shrunk all the way down to 85 pounds. Because wow. I know a lot of people might think, you know, if you have diabetes, it's usually like people are obese. Yeah. Or... Well, that's, the, that, those are the first people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing what they do is... Um, when you're obese, excuse me, when you're obese like that, they will place you on the, the diabetes, diabetic diet. Mm-hmm. And the idea of that diet is for you to lose weight. It's like a crash course in losing weight. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the most important thing. And I, when I was placed on that diet, it's like I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm on pills. They're giving me pills, and what the pills are doing is making me lose more weight. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm eating all day, and, and as a diabetic, very early on, I could sit and eat, like, three full size submarine sandwiches. Wow. Two bags of potato chips, and a couple of cokes. And all of that, none of that is healthy for you. Mm-mm. Right. Wow. And um, maybe the lettuce and tomatoes on the submarine sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> is this drinking bad for diabetes as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of sugar and alcohol. Yeah. And- yeah. Are you sober now? Oh, I'm, no, I, I didn't become a diabetic because I was a, a drunk. No, I know. I'm going to say I've been sober since 1988. Wow. It's fucking amazing. Um, wow, it's a long time, yeah. But I had lost all that weight. Okay. They were giving me pills instead of giving me insulin. Right. They were giving me pills. The the pills would at the end of the day before I was going to bed, I would go and I would go to the bathroom. I would sit down on the toilet. Of course, I'd pull my pants down in my underwear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I would sit on the toilet. And everything that I'd eaten all day long just fell out of me. Damn. Like, I didn't have to open any doors. I didn't have to, like, grit and, 
you know, get all muscular and develop <laughs> hemorrhoids and Jeez. Yeah. Dang. it just like everything just just like like uh just fall out of you basically, yeah. Yeah. And wow. so doctors were telling you were they explaining to you about diet as far they, as they were not explaining anything to me because really? here's the thing with diabetes. Okay. No two diabetics are alike, hmm. which means you got to sort it out for yourself. I they see. can give you the paperwork and they can, they can give you some tips. Mm -hmm. They can say, do this, avoid that. The first doctors I said, said you cannot eat any more fruit. What? You, you can't eat nuts. You can't eat bread. You can't wow. like they went down this list and it's like, how can you avoid fruit? You right. need fruit for the, for yeah. the roughage. Yeah. You, you need know, it. Yeah, it helps fiber. clean your pipes. Yes. Wow. And it gives you energy. Yes. Yeah. It's a natural. Your diet's so huge with that. So I was, for about a month, I was going through the pill scenario. The pills. Yeah. And then I finally pills. went to um, County General. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're going to need to put you on insulin. You're, you need to be on insulin. So I went on the, the insulin thing where I was actually drawing the insulin from a little bottle. Wow. You know, getting the, I'm, I, I, I don't want to use needles. I've always hated mm -hmm. needles. Yeah. I've, I've had like dozens of friends die because they use needles right. to um, get them off on their heroin. Yeah. I just, I've had too many friends die from that. And it's like, I don't want to be around any of that. And there I was, I, I was like, well, do they have uh, any kind of, um, diabetic medication where you can uh snort it <laughs> can can you can can you can you uh this insulin does it does it come in pill form right it doesn't it's a liquid right and the thing is is that the, first off the the your digestive juices and the acidity in your system if you were to take it yeah orally mm -hmm. it 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 would be dead probably before it even hit your stomach. Wow, man. Jeez. Fuck. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're alive, man. It's fucking... Yeah. This is definitely part one, man. Yeah, it's got to be part We're gonna one. Buy, we'll mean, buy there's lunch still and take so many questions. Yeah, there's so many things. I can talk. I mean, it's an honor to have you here in my kitchen. And fuck, man, this is... I know you got to go. I know you guys are busy. I appreciate you, Joe, bringing Mr. Morris here. But I can yep, talk to you all Mr. day. I, pre I appreciate all the music. <laughs> We're going to get to that. We are going to do a part two some way. Even if we have to come to your house, whatever, whatever you want. Um, but I appreciate all the music you put out in the whole world and definitely change. Yeah, but my if life, you come over life. to my house, that means I'm going to have to take the Swifter to the living room floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back here, though, whatever. I'm, I'm going to have to scrub the toilet. Okay, no, that's all right. We'll do it here. I'm um, actually good at that because that's all bleach. You just dump some bleach in there. Good to go, right? Good to go. <laughs> For a couple of weeks. Uh, well, I hoped, I hope uh, we get to play some shows together. That'd be awesome. I was excited about that last year. And your 40th and now pushed to this year, right? Yeah. Punk Rock Bowling is in September. See, now we get to do a double whammy. You do. That's amazing. Yeah. See, is that the only show you See, that's year? like somebody is extremely smart. Somebody's intelligent enough to understand that we can kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> That's true. Is only one show this year for Circle Jerks? Is that Punk Rock Bowling? It September. That's one so far, right? Yeah. And you maybe have. I think we'll do. Year? I think we're going to do a warm up show. Okay. And a few things have been passed at me, but it's like, 
I'm to the point where between the circle jerks and off and all of the things that off's been working on. Yep. And a movie mm. and shopping uh, a script based on the yeah, first right. part of my book. Yeah. Not even the punk rock part. Yep. And then um, I, I'm, I'm, okay. I've been working on a documentary with Jim Lindbergh from Pennywise. Nice. Shout out to Jim. Love him. Great human. You got a lot of stuff. And going you have this on, book, man. My Damage, Keith Morris. Story well, and I also Survivor. started writing part two. Okay, awesome. So would that be, that'll come out maybe next year? No, because um, the guy that I write with, my co-writer, they said, "Well, you could you could just call him a ghostwriter." And I said, "Everybody gets credit where credit is due." Agreed. You work on something, you get credit yeah. for working on something. 100%, man. Yeah, 100%. and um, he. Because of my book, my book was my book went into a hardback, and it wasn't supposed to make it out of the first, the first. Uh, excuse me, it 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 made it out of two printings of the hardback, which gotcha. came out first, and then I believe they're in a second printing of the softback, but because of the book. It, it it did way, way, way beyond what they thought it was it's going awesome. to do. It's awesome. They came back to me and asked, are you interested in doing a second book? Excellent. Awesome. Jim was asked to do the Bad Religion book. Okay. So he, he had to devote his time to that. Yep. Which I don't blame him, you know. it's Yeah. That's what he's working on. Yeah. So he got through with that, and, and we had started to, to write the second book at the very end of the bad religion situation. Gotcha. And then he said, Keith, I'm not going to be able to work on your book right now because they're going to need me to talk to the LA times and the New York mm. times and all of these literary people, because that's the world that I'm part of. Mm -hmm. It's like totally, totally believable. I hear you go for it. And then after that, he said, um, I I've been asked to write a, SST book. Wow. And I said, Jim, I'm going to help you. I'm going to compile a list of people that you need to very important people, even lower ditch people you're going to need to talk yeah, yeah. to. What about a circle jerks documentary someday? Well, we already have the, um, my career as a jerk, mm, the Dave right. Markey that's right. DVD. Okay. And I, I don't stock. think I would want to do another one. Because I have a bunch of other projects that are based on, um, I uh, wrote a script with a friend based on the, the fact that um, the Circle Jerks are back together to promote yep. the 40th anniversary trust of, records, yep. Re -release. of group sex and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Golden Shower of Hits. Yeah. And in, 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 in the time before that, Greg Hudson and I had a battle of egos mm. and he, he came at me one night and said, we know you're going to quit the band, but we've decided not to work with Dimitri Coates. And that would be the start of off. And when yeah, I too. started off, when Dimitri and I started off, shit started to fucking happen. Like more stuff was happening than, than that would have never happened for the circle jerks. Gotcha. Off's awesome, by the way. 
great band. Is it, is, it, is it weird playing, practicing with off and then circle jerks? It's just two different worlds, kind of, right? Two different worlds because mm -hmm. two complete different bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, it's all uh, aggressive, but just the, all of the, the new guys that I'm playing with I are like the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. Yeah. They have no fucking strings attached, mm -hmm. and they are excited to be, yeah, excited, to be yeah. playing, different and energy, off. yeah, you know. And it's like our new rhythm section is completely different from our previous rhythm section because the previous rhythm section we never rehearsed. Mm. Our rehearsal equated to us uh, meeting in my hotel room, <laughs> yeah, like. 45 yeah. minutes before we're supposed to leave to go to the venue. Yeah. You know, and then if we have enough time while we're at the venue, we might run through the, an abbreviated version of the set in the dressing room. Yeah. And that's how it always was. And for me coming from black flag where everything was militaristic and we're re we're rehearsing for five hours tonight. So you better Almost get like used yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, your life is black flag. <laughs> it's like a job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate your time. Hopefully this will be a part two. Joe, thanks for being there. Keith, thanks for coming here. Um, appreciate your time, Keith, very much. Derek, anything to say? Uh, that was an honor. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you, Keith. Well, thank you for having me here. All right, bye. Bye, everybody. We'll be back. Hey, y'all. Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash OLOC, and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you could try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code OLOC for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.